Hi, welcome in 2019 to Queer Fandom, the podcast. This podcast is about fandom, standom, and the driving force of LGBTQ culture behind it all. We are not safe for work, not safe for kids, and not safe for the overly sensitive. Hi, I'm Beetle. And I'm Lo. That's it. That's the intro. You did it. Intro music. We're here. We're queer. We got some shit to say. We're fans. We're stands. So join us on the way as we explore the things we ship and seek proof that they're gay. It's queer fandom and we are here to stay. There we go. <laughs> we're working on that. <laughs> B, have you heard the good news? What's the good news? Soldier 76 is gay. Soldier 76 is gay. Soldier 76. Six. Soldier 76. <laughs> Soldier? Soldier 76. The masculine man's man. Of Captain Jack Morrison. Jack, Captain Jack Morrison of the hit video game Overwatch is gay. He is. He's, he's gay. That's, um... I guess the hot topic right now in uh, Overwatch fandom. It's the hottest topic of January 2019. It's cold in Los Angeles, as I imagine it is cold everywhere else. But it is burning hot with <laughs> Soldier 76 and how goddamn gay he is. I love him. An icon, a cultural icon. Yeah, so um, obviously uh, Blizzard recently announced that Soldier 76 is gay. It started as um some pretty direct uh imagery in uh, in vocabulary in the comics i guess and then there was a little bit of like debate amongst fans whether he was gay or not which which brought to an official statement of yeah he's gay um and so everybody's just been kind of reacting to that yeah i think the the general reaction i would say from the good fans has been pretty positive um and we're so excited to see that a second character in Overwatch is in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Um, Overwatch came out in 2016, and the first LGBT character, it seems like, was announced around Christmas time that same year, which was Tracer. Um, in one of the comics, they showed her girlfriend. Well, and didn't they, they say there was going to be multiple LGBTQ characters in overwatch yes they did but they didn't give any um direct examples at the time that they said that in an interview in i believe early 2016 not long after the game came out um in may so it took them three years to release to to do good on their promise of the plural (laughs) yeah for a while it was just one it was just tracer which is cool because tracer is the She's the girl in the box. When you're going to buy Overwatch in a store, when you look at Overwatch at GameStop, you're looking at Tracer. That's true. She's our lesbian icon. <laughs> yeah. And now Soldier 76 is our gay icon, our gay dad. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, there was like a, um, a tw- tweet going around on Twitter that was like, L, Tracer, G, Soldier, B, blank, T, blank. Ooh. And I was like, ooh. Yes. Like, what if they were literally just trying to spell it out, like, in order? <laughs> who, is, who do you think the, the bisexual hero of Overwatch is? You know, there's so many possibilities. All of them? Every possi- yeah, that's it. That's um, LGBT, everybody's bisexual, and, like, four characters are trans. That's going to be the, <laughs> the Overwatch uh, addition to the LGBT fandom. My first vote for bisexual hero would be Lucio. That's a great choice. I just think he reads by. He does. There's something about him that's sort of um, ambiguous and interesting and fluid and fun. Maybe it's he's the roller fluid. skates. He's so fluid. Yes, the roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone on roller skates has got to be by. <laughs> are, are roller skates the like bisexual identification? Well, I mean, maybe because you and I walked home. Lo and I went out for date night today, tonight, and then we were walking home. And it's very cold out, and I had, like, my hood up, and I was looking at the ground, so all I could see were, like, the feet of the people around me. I was looking at the ground, and then suddenly two sets of rollerblades came... uh, No, no, roller skates. Two sets of roller skates came into my vision, and that was the thing that was surprising to me, is rollerblades are a little bit more common. You don't see anyone on roller skates anymore. 
No, not so much. It's sort of an outdated form. Anyway, they were cute, and I think they're gay. They were roller skating together. I think Lucio has rollerblades. He does. The, the analogy didn't end up working. I'll cut it out. It works for me. It's fine. <laughs> Anybody on roller skates and or rollerblades is gay. So Sounds gay to me. Bisexual. Bisexual as hell. Well, okay. We're okay. bisexual as hell. Fair. Um, so I think the thing that's so rad about Soldier 76 is that he has already existed in canon for about two and a half years since the game's inception in, in mid-2016. Um, it took until January 19 for them to say that he is a gay man. So what's so rad about that is that the public has already had time to form relationships with right. Soldier 76. Right. It's a game that is has a very structured competitive format with very dedicated fans. And Soldier's a top pick in competitive. I mean, he's... He's not like an overlooked hero in the game. He's the tutorial hero, as you and I acknowledged yeah. when, when this news first dropped. It was like, he's the first hero a lot of people meet when they're playing the game. And that was that was cool. I mean, you said um, what's unique about him is literally he's three years old before they announced that he was um, a gay character. Uh, but also, I feel like Soldier was just such like a... Like, they could have picked anyone, but they chose their very... Um, apple pie white you know older guy uh american hero sort of sort of character and so it was kind of a ballsy move you know they could have chose the more like androgynous looking characters that exist in that universe but they didn't they chose soldier they they chose the veteran you know and um that to me was the most exciting part yes and that it, it was a long time coming and um i think it's cool that blizzard is upholding their word and continuing to release you know lgbtq characters or at least um not release the characters but label current characters or however they want to do it um but i think the soldier was a unique pick for a lot of different reasons um and there's something really magical that happens when a series decides to withhold that information for a certain period of time you grow close to these characters for who they are and not for their sexuality or who they are in relationship to another character. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned, um, and I don't know if maybe this fits into where you're trying to go, but you mentioned um, uh, maybe a, you know, a creative team choosing to withhold information um, versus a creative team that just suddenly decides they want a character they've already <laughs> created to be gay. And I guess we'll get into that a little bit because I know you have a couple examples that you want to share. Um, Soldier 76 is kind of an interesting example because as people have pointed out, there is lore, older lore, hints towards this maybe intimate relationship Jack had with who? Vincent, I think was the name of his boyfriend. But... Uh, you know, so was that that it had been planned or was that a very convenient place to jump off of? Um, how many of these examples that you're going to share with us? I guess I would be curious to know of these examples that you're going to share with us, which were you think maybe planned ahead of time and which were later, uh, you know, decided by the creative team to, to label them a particular way. I think it's kind of a combination of both and we're never going to know the real answer because I think a studio or an author or something is always going to want to choose the answer that best suits their narrative. Um, so we may not know, but I, I think you could probably make educated guesses in this the um, frameworks that I'm going to tell of a couple different characters. Um, maybe what they had decided from the beginning and, and what came about later. I don't know how many of your examples are going to be anime, but... Um... The, this is kind of a whole different thing, but um, I think anime is a, is a typical place where you'll see a character that's very gay coded, like very, very obviously a queer character. Um, but when there's any sort of push or question to the creative team, it's always like, oh, it's open to your interpretation, you know, like, well, they don't want to give you any real answer. And that's because they don't want to pigeonhole their audience one, one direction or another. Um, but I think that's represented a little bit different in American media. There needs to be a little bit more of a box that characters go into. Um, and so I, I guess I'm curious to hear, hear what you have in store for us. Um, you know, I think that's an interesting point you make because it reminds me that when I first got into anime as a middle schooler who 
couldn't have access to a lot of things in the early 2000s. It seemed like somewhere near the end of every series, there was like a, 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 a same-sex crush that appeared for a lot of characters. And I'm thinking about like Kawaru for Shinji in um, Evangelion or... Um, fuck. I know they're... No. I'm blanking on names. Okay. We'll leave it there. Okay. Uh, not really a place to leave me. Well, I don't... I, I, I can't even remember what I you're saying. I can't remember so. what I said. Let's just pick up. Take us on your... On your... On your out-of-the-closet journey. So I, first... Take us on... Take us on your journey out of the... Fictional... No. Take us on your journey through... Character... Hmm. Take us... I can't figure it out. So here are some characters that were in the closet in their inception, but were later confirmed as LGBTQ. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, so the first example I want to mention is one we've talked about on the show before, um, just sort of to warm us up. And this is from the American mature cartoon South Park. Um, if you don't know what this is exactly, you may have some preconceived <laughs> notions about swearing and fart jokes and poop jokes, and those are all correct. Um, you might think the show is racist. That might be true, too. Who knows? But <laughs> in 1999, the show in its third season put out a, an episode called Tweak versus Craig. In this episode, two side characters who had previously been mostly unnamed, a sort of twitchy, hyperactive, caffeine-addicted boy named Tweak, and a disgruntled, almost moody teen character named Craig who flipped the bird a whole bunch. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So on the sideline were these two characters that fandom had taken to very, very quickly. Um, And it just continued to grow exponentially the more and more content was produced. Craig and Tweak was one of those things that, there, you know, is one of those side ships that had very little canon interaction, but a couple really dedicated content producers that just literally turned it into its own major ship in in the fandom. It was, uh, you know, like you said, there was like one episode where these characters interacted, and then there were a couple episodes where those characters had solo lines, maybe. You know, there's just, those characters weren't really... Uh, fortified, uh, solidified characters in the South Park universe, but a couple people picked up on it and thought it was interesting and ran with it. Craig and Tweak was one of the main, main ships, and they were not main characters in the show, and I always think that's very interesting when that happens anyway, but that's kind of a sidebar, so I'm sorry, continue. No, but you're exactly right. It became very popular in its own right, and these were characters who after this episode where they were featured together, weren't really main characters at all. Um, We'd see them in bits and pieces every five episodes, one of them would have, or every five seasons, one of them would have an episode where they were mildly relevant. But they were very much side characters. Craig had guinea pigs. Craig had guinea pigs. That's in Creek... Uh, Creek. That's in (laughs) the ship name. That's in Tweak versus Craig, actually, in in, um, 1999. But in 2015, the South Park team put out a request on Twitter and on their main website for fans to submit fan art. So this Um, was 15 years later? Something like that? 16 years later. 16 years later. 16 years after Tweak vs. Craig, the episode came out, the South Park Studios creative team started asking the fans for fan art of Tweak and Craig. Um, specifically, they were asking for ship art. They yeah. were asking for yaoi. Boys I think love they art. used yaoi explicitly um, for their following episode. Um, and the, the fandom went into a flurry of what is this? What do they want with us? Like, what is this <laughs> Can you be? imagine in any other fandom, the show creators coming in and being like, hey, send us some of your yaoi. <laughs> like, this is so wild. I it's will, so wild. I will regret to this day that I did not send in the fan art I drew as a 16-year-old. I will forever oh, regret that. And, That's okay, and so, um, so the episode following them requesting this, um, it ended up being an episode about fangirls, about a group of students that wrote and drew um, Boys Love fan art. 
and um, it was kids within the school that that. In, you know, in the same school that Craig and Tweek, and then the, the episode ended up being like, well, we aren't gay, but all these fans say that we're gay, so I guess we're gay now. Um, and they're like forced to date each other, and it's like, a, you know, fake dating AU. It's just like everything that you could possibly <laughs> want it to be. Um, but eventually what, what turns out of this episode is that Craig and Tweek become boyfriends, and they maintain that through video games and later seasons in the show. In fact, South Park, a show who for 20 seasons said fuck continuity, decided to pick up continuity around the in the same season that they decided that Craig and Tweek were boyfriends. So not yes. only was South Park saying, "Hey, these two are in fact gay." They were saying, "These two are gay and we're going to adhere to it," which is something that was unheard of for South Park in particular before then. So, you know, Craig and Tweek were were special in a lot of different ways and I remember Lo and I like watching that episode and I felt like I had tears in my eyes as like actual like art from like deviant art fucking fan art drawn in color pencil <laughs> on like Xerox papers scanned mm-hmm. into the episode just like it was just incredible we were sitting there and watching on television just like this this piece of media being like yep you drew enough fan art that okay they're gay it was, <laughs> it was just such a big moment you know um and something that that a lot of people i guess didn't get to experience because south park can be a very niche uh complicated fandom to be a part of it's one of those ships that people read and process without processing the rest of the fandom Mm. so and it always has been and it's grown even more since those episodes so if you're looking for an interesting piece of um boys love and LGBT fan (laughs) history that you haven't experienced before. I would say the 2015 episode of South Park Tweak X Craig is an interesting example. It is, it is so meta in its depiction of just, all right, well, um, the, a couple people are into this and now everybody's into this and you get to a point where literally everybody in this podunk white trash town has art hanging in their homes of Tweek and Craig's relationship and it's all like deviant art style fan art and it's so silly and it's so ridiculous but it's it's really genuine and the creators have followed up with this Mm -hmm. for the last four years and have been like yeah Tweek and Craig are in a relationship and we're not we're not being tongue-in-cheek about it is is what it is so I, I recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it. It's it's pretty silly, it's pretty ridiculous, and it's not mean-spirited at all. What else do you have for us? So South Park is a pretty recent example of this, um, but there are some others that have been a little older. Um, one of the first ones um, that I'm thinking of is the, it let's say, infamous um, Dumbledore coming out of the closet. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right. So, you know, Harry Potter has been around as a series since, like, the late 1990s. Um, I, it's been around for most of my my venture in fandom culture. So, in The Deathly Hallows, uh, we learn a little bit about um, Headmaster Dumbledore in his youth and spending some time with who we know to be sort of now a villain in the Harry Potter series, pre-Harry Potter um, Grindelwald. Um, and we know that they spend some time together as youths in the text. Well, in 2007, J.K. Rowling was doing a reading of this book not long after it came out. Um, and someone in the audience asked about the relationships of Dumbledore, asked if he'd ever loved somebody. And J.K. Rowling just almost sort of shrugged her shoulders and said, Dumbledore is gay, actually. I thought that may have, um, affected your views of the reading if you'd known beforehand um so the whole internet went up in a flurry in 2007 i didn't realize that she said that on like a panel it doesn't even sound like a panel it was like a reading like i don't know if it's a comic-con so much as it is like barnes and noble with like a camera crew there you know what i'm saying who knows I, i had sort of dipped out of the harry potter fandom at this point so my knowledge of this is is not fantastic So this had received some sort of, I would say, a mixture of excitement and backlash, right? Because fans were so excited. Finally, there is a gay character in Harry Potter. And 
it's one of the most established and well-known characters in the franchise. How yeah. exciting. Like, Dumbledore is... That's, like, your well, wizard he's, dad. Right, like, he's very revered. He's very powerful. Mm-hmm. He's seen, um, at least in the first, you know, in the canon story, or the, the at least in the main storyline, he's seen as uh, lawful good. Yeah. The grand, your grandfather in this Harry Potter experience. Dumbledore is everything good in this world. Um, but criticism came up at the same time and fairly enough that well where is this in the story i mean part of our experience as lgbt people is okay being lgbt isn't a part of everything but being lgbt is a part of a lot of our lives and we have to face those sort of trials and tribulations on a day-to-day basis yeah but Um, it wasn't Dumbledore wasn't the protagonist no you don't necessarily need to know that every every teacher you had in high school was gay or not no, and, and I agree with that. I mean, he's almost a historical figure in the Harry Potter universe yeah. prior to him becoming a, a creature of history. Like, we know him as sort of the your kind grandfather of wizarding and, and things that are righteous. Like, you don't know that much about him. Uh, but people criticized it for it not being a part of the text, and I think that's a that's a fair criticism. Um, and, and now we're... 11 years later, I mean, we're 12-ish, but in late 2018, um, the Harry Potter spinoff series of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them had their sequel movie, The Crimes of Grindelwald, um, in which the director, David Yates, was asked if the relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald would be explicit. Um, And the director, David Yates, said, not explicitly, but I think the fans are all aware of that. He had a very intense relationship with Grindelwald when they were young men. They fell in love with each other's ideas, ideology, and each other. End of quote. Um, I guess that's more frustrating to me than in the in the text it being left out. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I know that's that. I guess that's a, a silly argument, but like, I feel like, okay, well, that was after, you know, that was after it was a large. It was a big deal, I guess, that that he he was gay, and there was finally a movement, or a, there was finally a a movie, a story being told where he wasn't an old old man, um, and they chose to leave that out. To me, that's a little, that's a little bit more problematic than like, well, why didn't we get to find out about the headmaster's gay lover in the in the text? I agree. I I think it's a little strange if you're gonna explore the relationship over ten years later. I mean, history has changed. We're not in a great position. I, I know that as a as a queer person myself. But I I feel like this is a relationship that should be able to be explored a little bit more on screen. They're getting the chance to revisit it. This is the chance for the team behind Harry Potter, and I know it's not just J.K. Rowling anymore. To say, yeah, this is who Dumbledore is. This is who he was in his reckless youth. And it sounds like they don't do that. And you can fault me for not having seen Crimes of Grindelwald. There might be some really good subtext. <laughs> there, maybe they say it in there and nobody reacts to it because nobody who's a passionate fan has seen it. I, I don't know. But basically the director was like, you all know your fans, Yeah, right? see, that, that to me is a little shittier <laughs> than an author being like... Yeah, he's gay. I just didn't think it mattered for the story. Which, which you know, is like one of the arguments I think that LGBTQ people tend to make when gay characters do find representation in media is it's always like being gay is the whole point of their story. And there's so much more to our lives. Like, it's true, you know, you can never really divorce yourself from it because we mm-hmm. grow up a particular way in this very heteronormative society and... We always feel like outsiders, you know, in a particular way. But also, I don't necessarily want to watch a movie where the struggle is the being gay. Because that's my life, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I I think there's respect in, like, yeah, that character's gay. Why did you need to know that? You know? That being said, J.K. Rowling also says that wizards shit themselves in public. (laughs) So, you know, there's only so much that we can take from that. Um... But it's it's one thing to be like you know the his his 
his sexuality wasn't important in the story and I didn't, you know, it was alluded to and, you know, it was nuanced enough that I didn't feel like I needed to say it versus being, this is a show or this is a, a movie, this is a story about this character's youth and this very intense relationship he had with this man, but we chose to leave out the part where they're in love with each other. That's <laughs> significantly different. Yeah. Especially in the context that they revisited it in a movie 12 years later. That's, that's what insane. I'm saying, man. Like That's you, insane. It was time. It was time to face all the criticism, and they didn't do it. They chose not to do it. Well, I mean, those, the uh, I, again, I don't see that one, but um, Fantastic Beasts, the first one, was, um, yeah, cute. cute. It was it's flavorful on the outside and bland in the middle. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like, it could have been something really excited and cool, but there was just really no meat to the story. And you know what? I don't know what the sequel's like because I didn't see it, but I bet you anything, if you had put the gay story in there, it would have been meaty and flavorful all the way through. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, the thing that was the best to me about Fantastic Beasts is I love animals. So I love <laughs> the magical animals. Yeah, they're if, cute. If the second movie is about a court. I'm not interested. You you backed me out of the one thing that sort of unless it's me about over. a court and a clandestine gay relationship, then it's <laughs> fucking there, like yeah. guns blazing. Is it about the actual trials of Grindelwald? All the screenshots I've seen say yes. Yeah, so Bye. I'm not interested. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. thanks. Oh God. Okay, what else? But what else do you have? Sometimes, sometimes these things go better. Um, if you have seen The Legend of Korra, you know that this is a show that started in 2012, and in the final shot of the final episode in 2014, the two female protagonists, the namesake Korra and her female sidekick, I guess, for lack of better words, Asami, um, walked off literally into the sunset holding hands, and then turned and faced each other at the end, and the show ended in a glorious beam of light. The show creators have since confirmed that this is them literally walking off into the sunset together and that at the end of their show, Korra and Asami are in a relationship. So all I really remember about this, I have not seen the show, um, but all I really remember about this was the backlash. Because there was, you know, general excitement and then there was a whole bunch of like, well, that was it. Like, couldn't there have been more? Couldn't there have been more in the plot? Couldn't it have been more explicit at the end? And before I let you take off for, take off with that, let me just have you clarify because I don't, I haven't really seen the show. This is a kids show, right? Yes. This aired on like Toonami or Cartoon Network or something? Um, Nickelodeon, you'd probably consider this like a preteen to teen show. So I wouldn't expect, I mean, again, like I'm not saying that this shouldn't be the case, but in, in this, what year was that? 2014. So I feel like 2014, I feel like it would have been pretty unlikely to get approved a lesbian kiss in a kid's television show on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. That's so fair I just judgment. like, you know, that the, the, a lot of the criticism I saw was that. It was like, well, couldn't we have gotten more explicit confirmation? And I was like, I'm pretty sure, you know, it was a kid's show and, and it wouldn't have passed the network at that point. They did well, I think, for what they had. And this is my takeaway as somebody who's seen some Legend of Korra but is really not a fan who's followed the whole show. Um, I also believe that the final episodes all happened on the internet and not on Nickelodeon. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Well, then why didn't they kiss? It's the internet. There's no laws there. The internet is what allowed them to walk off into the sunset oh, holding shit. hands. Okay. So if you want to know how strict the uh, Nickelodeon standards are, that's sort of your, so, your bar. So you said the creators have since confirmed. Yes. And then did they explicitly confirm or did they say, like, yeah, your suspicions are right? Or did no, they say they're lesbians? I'm pretty sure they've they've confirmed. <sighs> God, that's so good. The, like, writers and the artists. Not, of course, the showrunners, but, like, writers and artists have been like, yep, yep, yep. It's always the writers and artists who are like, the, yeah, we know what we're show, doing. The quote-unquote showrunners. Yeah, it's the people who do the grit work that are like, yeah, right. we know what we're drawing into those looks when they look at each other. Like, we know what we're up right, to. We know right. our characters. So, fast forward from um, 2014, and now it's July 2018, and on Cartoon Network... 
Um, the two gems that make up one of the protagonists of the series Steven Universe, um, Ruby and Sapphire, get married. Now, this has been a long-held sort of thing with the fandom, is that the two female-seeming gems that make up Gar- Garnet? Mm-hmm. Did I say Garnet, Garnet the yeah, first yeah, time? Yeah. The two female-seeming gems that make up Garnet, um, one of the protagonists of the show, are female. Um, the showrunners have sort of said, yeah, there's no real gender to these characters, but for the most part, we're assuming most gems we see are female, and we see female traits, and some of them use female pronouns. Um, so what we're really seeing is, I would say, what is a visibly female ruby and sapphire regardless regardless even if you don't want to to go to the oh they're female seeming or they have female characteristics or whatever the the gems are all very um gender ambiguous or gender Mm -hmm. non-conforming you know so even from the angle as um ruby and sapphire appear to be female and appear to be in a romantic relationship um we can cast all of that aside and say that these are gender non-conforming characters. That's very true. And um, so it, 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 I'll let you continue, but I just wanted to mention that. I, I don't necessarily know if they all subscribe to female or female-seeming or anything like that. Um, I think it's just apparent that none of them are binary. I think that's a great point because a lot of times in, in history, and these characters aren't rare necessarily, these, these gender non-conforming characters, they're usually seen as sort of asexual um, I, I would say that shows as old as like Star Trek and such would have characters where you're like, oh, this is asexual, but that's her- not the case in Steven universe though. Yeah. Because exactly. we know Steven is the product of sexual intercourse. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So their universe is a little bit different. <laughs> um, but I, it's been generally confirmed that Ruby and Sapphire, yeah, they're, they're lovers. Yes. And in this past Recently, in the past seven months, um, Ruby and Sapphire got married on Cartoon Network, which is pretty incredible. Right, so how many years between um, Legend of Korra and this? Four. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. You know, yeah. I think, um, and I and I think this is that's such a big deal because you look at Legend of Korra and it was like, wow, they held hands and walked off into the sunset on the episodes we released only <laughs> online, to being one of Cartoon Network's most popular shows, one of Cartoon Network's most watched and influential cartoons, um, just being like, yeah, here's the wedding. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's... If you look at it in the grand scheme of the way things have moved, you know, that, that feels like a big success. It does. In just four years, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's a huge, huge step. The difference between, well, some online episodes, and this is just on our channel... Um, I, I believe Cartoon Network and Disney Channel have had a reputation of having some side gay characters. Um, so this is sort of a pretty big step forward from that small leap of like, yeah, we can kind of acknowledge our side character is gay or this character is two moms. Um, versus these are two characters you know and love in the story, and years later, they're gay. Uh, five years after the show began in, in 2013, they, they got married. So that's super awesome and a huge win for the Steven Universe fandom. Absolutely. Which brings us to um, one of my favorite examples of this. Um, one of my favorite shows when I was um, in sort of my formative teenage years was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about my girl, Willow Rosenberg. Um, if you don't know, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a science fiction show that began in, like, the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, and Willow was the geeky sidekick of the cool, too cool for school, uh, Buffy Summers. Um, and while Buffy Summers was out being the Slayer, meaning she had to um, kill all these vampires as her destiny, she's the only one, um, Willow Rosenberg was sort of her dorky sidekick. Um, Willow she, was always my favorite character. I she love was the Willow. one that I felt like I saw myself in. She was, which is almost always for me personally the sign that a character is queer coded. <laughs> is just like I identify with that one, mm-hmm. um, and you know, uh, Willow was one hundred percent absolutely that character for me when I was watching Buffy. Mm-hmm. 
you yeah, know, as a had, young person. She had this, like, really cool, like, dorky wardrobe that sometimes consisted of, like, beanies that had, like, cat ears on them, like, in a way that we would dress now that we wouldn't admit to, and, like, fuzzy sweaters and everything being, like, color blocking. Um, but she was, like, a nerd, and, and the character got a lot of critical acclaim early on in the series because she was a fantastic sidekick, and she was a positive Jewish role model, mm-hmm. and a positive female role mm-hmm. model. Um, so so fucking cute. So cute. Just, like, the cutest. <laughs> just so fucking cute. Oh, my God. That is the goddamn truth. She's, <laughs> so she's the absolute most precious. Um, but her thing was whole was all that she was um, in love with her childhood best friend, Xander, who, when Willow and Xander met Buffy, Xander was in love with Buffy and wouldn't give Willow the time of day, even though they've been best friends since childhood. Um, so that was all of season one, but season two, Willow starts dating this, like, cool punk rock guy named Oz, who's in a band called Dingo's Ate My Baby. That's um, right. That's right. And it turns out he's a werewolf. Um, so she's got this, like, rad boyfriend, and she's so cute as this kind of, like, dorky girl with her, like, cool guitarist boyfriend who's played by Seth Green. I was gonna say, the only kind of guy a gay girl would date is a werewolf. <laughs> a, like, five-foot werewolf. He's tinier a than here. werewolf. He's a little... That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> Seth Green was so cute in the like early two thousands. I even I had a crush on him. He was cute in those times. Um, so that's season two of the show, and she dates him up until he like betrays her and sleeps with somebody else as a werewolf. Um, and she goes through some soul searching, and she spends a lot of time developing her craft as Buffy's sidekick. And then in season four, they go to college, and. Buffy and Willow go to the same college, and Willow feels a little bit alone. Um, and she's been dabbling in magic to kind of aid Buffy because she feels a little bit useless. Um, so she goes to an on-campus Wicca group and finds that everybody's kind of bogus, and everybody is just kind of in it for the aesthetic. Except for this one girl named Tara. And Willow and Tara bond immediately because they are they are both true witches, and they... They know their stuff, and everybody else is fake. Right, um, posers. Exactly. Um, so um, a little bit later in season four, this villain shows up in Sunnydale, and it is it is the gentleman, and they take everybody's voices away. The episode's, episode is called Hush. It's a very classic um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. Um, and these creepy dudes in in suits with their like white skin and their big eyes take everyone's voices um yeah but willow and tara are able to communicate non-verbally with each other yeah drift compatible exactly so while everybody else is spinning their wheels and buffy is like drawing pictures like what the fuck do we do willow and tara together silently drum up the magic to defeat this evil. And that is, is so fucking gay. <laughs> it's the gayest. It's so sexy, though. Magic in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, especially with Willow and Tara, as the only two real magicians, is a symbol of intimacy. Wait, in isn't the librarian a magician? Mm, not really. He's a watcher. Oh. He's, he kind of knows what the Slayer is supposed to be doing. That's he knows right. about magic. Okay. He's not okay. a magician proper. I remember now. Um, but Willow and Tara, like, their combined magic is, is intimacy for them. And they defeat evil with it. They take down the season four big bad with their magic in, like, a display of powerful lesbian wicked witchery. (laughs) Okay, great. So they're, they are, um, (laughs) drift compatible witches. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but is is it canon? It's canon. It's canon. So in season four, um, Oz shows back up. A Seth Green little werewolf man shows back up and is like uh, to to Willow, and it's like I'm a changed man. Like I can have a relationship with you. I've regretted it. And and Willow's basic takeaway after some frustration is like I was sad that you left me, and I had feelings for you, but I choose someone else, and I have someone else in my life now. Um, and, and Tara and Willow were a thing. But, okay, wait. They have a, 
They um, kiss. They have a beautiful love ballad. Oh, they ballad. kiss. Okay, that's what they I wanted kiss. to hear. And because have... just saying I have someone else in my life now is not explicitly explicit enough for me to be like, oh, they're gay. Yeah, I mean, I would say Willow never really talks about it explicitly. She has a scene with Buffy where she comes out, but I don't... She doesn't really say the words... Exactly. Well, that's okay, because this is this show. When did this episode air? This is the early 2000s. Yeah, so... This is, like, 2003, 2004. Like, right. this is very... very so I don't limited. expect it to be super explicit, but I guess, um... You know, that, that, like, very close friends thing is, like, an overused, um... Having two very, very close friends is a way to, like, write that sort of queer relationship into fiction without having to really acknowledge what it is. And it's, you know, not to, like, cast too much of it onto our, ourselves, but, like, you know, a, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people who identify as queer, when they grow up, they have these very intimate relationships with people that are of the same gender they currently identify with. And, you know, it's like, in, in my is this person my best friend or am I in love with them? And that's so, so common uh, amongst, you know, our community. That was me. Right. It was me. It was me and you. You know, we were fucking 17 and we met, you know, it was like, am I in love with this person or do I just like want to be near her? Or like, what is the thing? And so I actually think that the, um, that being expressed through Willow and Tara is really, really cool. And I don't, and I don't mind that in the early 2000s that was the way it manifested. Uh, but it does make me happy to hear that they kiss on camera because yeah. that's like the, the, you know, the, solidif- the, the, um, the proof I need. I'm like, all right, all right, you, you said it, I get it, they're beautiful, let's, let's, let's party. Oh, man, you haven't seen the later seasons of Buffy. I haven't. I haven't watched it since I was in high school, so yeah. maybe it's time to like slowly revisit it. It's a project. I'll, I'll watch Buffy with you. I'm never going to say no. It's a real, real project. But, um, yeah, Willow and, and Tara are a healthy and beautiful relationship. Um, they go through some real scuffles, including Tara's concern with Willow's um, magic, which they get in a scuffle. They kind of get back together. And then Tara, well, I don't really want to do spoilers, but Willow goes on to... She had her love interest in Xander. She had like an internet boyfriend who was also a demon in season one or two. Then she had Oz. Um, and then she she loved Tara and Tara taught her that she also loves women. Hey, that's the path a lot of us take. Yeah. I mean, when she started dating Tara, she said, I don't know what I like, but I, I like this person. Yeah. Um, and it has since grown from that canonically. Um, <laughs> Mood. Yeah. Which is really awesome. I mean, I was watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer in a time that was sort of formative to me in learning those sorts of things about myself. Um, so Willow was really exciting to me. I liked Tara a little bit more as a gay person but like I loved Willow I was on board with Willow with like season one she's my she's my girl um so that I mean that's a pretty comprehensive um you know overview yeah of kind of significant coming outs yeah that have happened is there anyone that we've missed I mean there are so many other characters I think that have happened throughout time um and and I thought of this a little bit in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I do want to mention this in in the context of the era, is that um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a contemporary with um, Dawson's Creek. Mm. Are you familiar with that show at yeah. all? Dawson's Creek had the first on-screen gay kiss. Huh. Dawson's Creek. Huh. Yeah, that's an old show. Yeah. It is. It's, it was on when we were... It was, it oh, no, was little, I remember. It was a little old for was, us in yes, our age. exactly. But it I was on I remember it we coming on yeah. and being told to go to another room. Yeah. Like, okay, this is... The, the television has now shifted to the, you know, teen yeah. viewing hours. You should go do <laughs> something else now. Exactly. That was... That show had the first on-screen um, kiss between, between two men. Oh, two men. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Usually it's women. Usually that's the more palatable to America, no. um, is the one that like, I don't know, cis hetero men can get hard for, I guess. Um, Horrible. That's our, our one claim to power. My one claim to power, I would say, is like a WLW. is like, oh, men like it sometimes, so sometimes we get content. Yeah, but it's not, the, it's not the right kind of content. It's not the right content. <laughs> it's gross, usually, when that's the part of their 
they're uh, catering to. Well, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, there's obviously there's lots of LGBTQ characters and there should be more mm-hmm. uh, and there continue to be more. But I think there's something really unique and significant about the ones that come out after they're published. Yeah. Um, because when a character is published, the second it is published, people begin to take it. You know, they make it their own, they identify with it, they adore it, they idolize it, whatever it is. And when a character is first published and, you know, a majority of people immediately assume everybody is heterosexual. So a character is, is you know, you're, you're straight until proven gay, right? Like, that's the thing in, in our media. And... So a character comes out, like Soldier 76, who is just so hetero-coded, if you are to quote the people on the, like, you know, blizzard boards, well, he reads like a heterosexual man. The whole thing was like, well, that skin where he's wearing the um, apron and he's grilling and he's got the socks and the sandals, Mm -hmm. like, no gay man would wear socks and sandals. Oh, shut the fuck up. Like, who, who are the gay men you know? Like, fuck off. You know, but like, yeah, we don't all fit into we a stereotype. We don't all fit into a stereotype, and that's like a tangent. But, like, you know, it, the idea being that you meet a character and everybody just assumes it's straight. When you release a character and you say this character is gay, right off the bat, people make their judgment calls. But when a character is released without its sexual orientation being announced, um, you, people attach to it or identify to it or idolize it in a particular way and then suddenly somebody says it's gay the author or the creative team um, or the show itself uh, you know outs this character as something other than heterosexual it's a big fucking deal mm-hmm. and I think it is a type of uh, representation in media that is a little bit more significant at least in my like personal opinion than a character that's a that is created to be a gay character because uh, like I said at the beginning of the episode it's not about being gay is not our whole story yes it is a a huge part of our lives and it it colors every single event that we experience in our lives Um, you know but it is not the whole story we want to tell as individuals so the fact that a character like soldier 76 can be introduced to a fandom as this story and this character. And then later we find out, oh, by the way, he's gay. (laughs) That's how it should be because that's how you meet people in the real world. You know, it shouldn't just be straight up, I'm gay and here's all the cool things I've done. It's here I am as a person and oh, by the way. You know, and so there's something really special about characters that come out after they're, you know, they become um, people in in the fictional world. it's very powerful, and I know it always is greeted with criticism. Always, always, people are upset about it not having been told earlier, or maybe it wasn't represented well enough, or anything like that. But obviously, I am of the mind that every success is a success right now, mm-hmm. and there are just as many, if not more, LGBTQ children growing up now than there were when we were kids, and. And as we clearly grabbed onto any tidbit of queerness inside of whatever media we were consuming, so will the people that are young now. And there is even more. It might not be perfect, but there's more. And that's a success. That's very true. I, I think every victory is, is a step in the right direction. It yeah. may not always be perfect, but it's, it's always a step. I want to wrap up by mentioning um, Anime Los Angeles which happened maybe a week or a week and a half after Soldier 76 was announced to have had a boyfriend in his past. Um, And I saw a lot of exciting and wonderful representation for a gay Soldier 76 at Anime Los Angeles. The cosplayers, a lot of them had little um, pride flags with them or pride pins or stickers on their cosplay. They're loved and created cosplay they stuck pins in it to be like yeah yeah gay boy gay boy that's what i was gonna mention about the cosplay and like i know a lot of people can bust cosplay out in a very short period of time i am not one of them but a lot of the soldiers we saw walking around at ala those costumes looked like they had been 
worked on. You know, mm-hmm. they, they looked like costumes that took longer than a week and a half to produce, which to me read as that person was a fan of Soldier 76 before he was gay, and that person's still a fan of Soldier Soldier 76 after he's gay. Hell and that was yeah. so exciting to me. Yeah. Because a lot of people, like, you know, I was like on the Blizzard forums the day it was released reading <laughs> reactions, and a lot of people were like, I'm deleting Overwatch. <laughs> you know, Good. So really nice here. to see a bunch of... Uh, you know, a bunch of people out wearing their Soldier 76, like, cosplay in re- response to the fact that he came out. That was, like, mm-hmm. so exciting to me. Yeah, and I saw, even in Artist Alley, there were people who had um, even busted out, I would say, like, whatever they could do in the week and a half, stickers of, like, Soldier 76 about him being gay and having pride stickers. And I think it's just so incredible how the community rallies behind these characters, especially characters who the media withholds their sexual orientation for a while because it really does feel like a victory because the public gets to know them for who yeah, they are exactly. before they are judged exactly. by their sexuality. And they, they, are, they develop a fan base for who they are, mm-hmm. not who they love or fuck yeah. you know and and that's all we hope for mm-hmm. ourselves in this society is that people get to know us and get to appreciate it, appreciate us for who we are and not our orientation or our gender or identity or the way we do or don't look like what you're supposed to do or don't look like you know it's very true Thank you so much for listening and for supporting us and for spreading the word. Um, we appreciate spreading your... Spreading the good, good word. <laughs> the good word about... We appreciate your... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Start Thank you so much for listening and for supporting us um, and telling us that this show means a lot to you or that you feel like you're talking to your friends. Um, it... It's really wonderful feedback that we receive, um, and we pro- we hope to record more episodes and produce more content for you in 2019. Um, we're wishing a better year for ourselves in 2019 than we had in 2018, and we wish the same for you as well. So thank you for listening, and please continue to listening. <laughs> and please continue to listen. Um, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave a rating if you if you have a few moments. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Fandom. And you can email us at queerfandompod at gmail.com. We love to talk to you guys. If you have um, questions or topic ideas for the show or you just want to react to an episode or anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. If you tweet about the show, use the hashtag queerfandompodcast and we will um, thank you on the episode. If you have like cosplay or fan art or fic or you just want us to like boost your Twitter or Instagram or anything, we'll you know lovingly do that um so just let us know we again it means a lot to hear from you guys and um i think that's it yeah thank you so much thank you for listening uh we'll talk to you guys next time until next time you made it to you made it to the end we're so grateful for you our dear friends if you like our little show please rate review subscribe It means so much. Cheers until next time.